Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. Welcome to the world's biggest paperweight, Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 209, Hide and Seek, comes to you now via Very Dangerous Playground. Pete, first up. I quote some Tennyson by way of the USS Voyager dedication plaque for I dipped into the future as far as human eye could see, saw the vision of the world and all the wonder that would be. That's how we felt walking out of the Strange New World's red carpet premiere last gold night. carpet premiere, Matt. Uh, gold carpet, red carpet. Guess what? Huge, huge, huge success. Uh, both the event and more importantly, seeing those first two episodes was a just was a dream. Listen, getting to watch the uh, first two, that 20 percent of Strange New World season one, as we, you know, recounted on the way home uh, a couple days early is one thing. Getting to do it with the entire creative and uh you know staff and the cast is entirely different and um it was a tremendous tremendous experience we're going to talk at further length about it on our strange new worlds podcast uh matt's going to update you on the dates this week are a little different because of everything we got going on yes pete for this upcoming week so not the picard you're listening to right now don't worry that's being recorded normal time normal day uh but for this upcoming week we'll be podcasting moon Knight episode six on friday may 6th we will be doing picard episode 210 that's your season two finale on saturday may 7th uh so if you get us uh feedback for either of those moon Knight um by the the morning or perhaps midday uh, wherever you are on the globe uh, on Friday for Moon Knight. If you share Picard feedback, get, us, uh, get it to us by midday uh, or so on Saturday the 7th. We'll, we'll be podcasting Strange New Worlds episode 101, the series premiere on Sunday, May 8th. And then we will be talking uh, what's expected to, to be, Peter, a modest little film that could this weekend, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We will be podcasting Monday, May 9th. Yes. Um, just rounding back to Strange New Worlds, though, <clears throat> non-spoilers, of course. I think you're really going to enjoy those first two episodes. They are loyal to what came before uh, all of it and uh, forge their new way ahead. And I uh, think they're going to be a lot of happy people once everybody checks it out. For this episode of Star Trek Picard, though, let's get ready for the mission briefing. Thunder crashes at Chateau Picard as Rios rips a panel off La Serena's controls in a futile attempt to thwart remote activation of the transporter. Green shimmers glimmer through the view screen and Rios tries to hustle Teresa and Ricardo to safety when Borgified goons beam onto the ship, followed by Gerardi. In the medical bay, Gerardi is down to her birthday suit and pulls the queen's corpse out to absorb her outfit 
so she can start to feel more like herself. Inside the chateau, Talon transports in with Picard, Seven, and Rafi. Rios joins them, having, you know, run the distance. Uh, they see that more baddies are beaming in. Indeed, lots more. We get to the credits, which reveal the episode was written by Matt Okamura and Chris Derrick and directed by Michael Weaver. Back in the action, uh, we're back at the chateau. Baddies are still out there. Our heroes hide with Picard noting that they're going to be pinned down while Gerardi takes the ship, La Serena. On the ship, uh, Queenie Gerardi is reaching in. Her hand, however, is paused. Uh, the Queenie has a Gerardi on her shoulder of sorts, if you will. Uh, Gerardi's been poking into the Queen's mind. Millions of species and planets, but you always needed more. Gerardi says that Queenie is lonely, and the Queen is ready to hand Soong a victory to set up the existence of the Confederation, which, of course, resulted in Borg annihilation. Uh, Queenie says, though, this time they will have an edge, uh, what with the Queen being here and having that 400-year head start and so forth. Queenie pushes some buttons. However, there's a lock on it. Uh, the key to the lock, which Gerardi has placed, it has not been memorized, can't be dug out of the shared mind there. Uh, but rather, it is behind the new emergency combat hollow, coincidentally shaped to look like series regular, even Evagora. And he starts to attack <laughs> some goons. Yes, Elnor here. Let's play Keep Away. Uh, brandishing a Romulan disruptor pistol, Seven tells Raffi, those aren't people out there, but Borg. As Talon lays down, suppressing fire with her disruptor rifle, a flashbang flashes Picard back to time with his mother when he asked to play a game. Dad is there and says they can play anything they want as long as they don't break anything. He says she's been more present um, without an incident in some time. Maybe times are changing for the better. She wants to play hide-and-seek with her son, telling him to cover his eyes and come find her, bringing Picard back to 2024, where Rios gets shot as they fall back. Picard tells Talon to beam Rios, Teresa, and Ricardo to safety. Rios says he's coming right back, but Picard tells her to turn off her transporter. They materialize in Talon's apartment where Rios tells Teresa to put a blanket on Ricardo because he's in shock as he tries to transport back, but he's been locked out. Damn you, Picard. Back to the chateau we go uh, where our goodies are stuck, pinned down, as you might say. Seven suggests that they, uh, that they go around the problem, divide and conquer. The Admiral okays it. Talon fires at the lasers. Pete, those handy laser pointers that they use, which show where they are and show where the guns are and so forth. But then the lasers shut down. Soong arrives in the field saying, don't fire or else. Soong offers a future worth fighting for. Uh, plus, the goodies are outnumbered. Picard wonders why there's been this parlay. Soong notes the rogue variable that is Picard. Pete, the variable here and X-Man, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Soong wants the path of least resistance to the future. 
and Picard and company can have a future as well. If they refuse, there'll be blood and mud. With that, Picard flashes to hide-and-seek with Maman. Yes, they hide-and-seek. Uh, back to the present day, he tells Soong that they will have to find him first. You see, Pete, for the episode is called Hide-and-Seek. Seven and Rafi elude several drones before they team up to take down a knife-wielding one. Picard wants to go down with Talon into the tunnels, but they need to find the entrance faster or the memory will escape through a hole in his head in a flashback he finds his mother where she wants to go into the tunnels young Jean-Luc protests reminding her his father has forbidden him from going down there but she tells him to find her Picard turns the same switch and moves a bookcase as Soong calls for him Indeed, finding that flirtily, opening the way to the hidden passage. Uh, we have in flashback young Jean-Luc in the passages. This is not fun anymore. He finds Maman, uh, but it's Talon sort of because we're flashing forward again. Uh, Talon wonders what happened here. Picard notes that this was a storage area during World War II for La Resistance. Uh, or perhaps it's La Resistance Francaise. Uh, it was all locked away during the invasion. But why does the Admiral have dark memories of this place? Uh, Talon essentially is asking for the rest of the story from two episodes ago. Picard says he followed Maman and he lost her, or rather she lost herself. We flash back to Maurice looking for Jean-Luc and Yvette. Maurice despondent. Back to the now. Picard gets them moving uh, in an, in a portion of the uh, the tunnels, which should lead to a hatch in the vineyard. Yes, where they can take back the ship. Raffi bandages Seven's wound, and they arm up. Raffi tells her she sounds like a captain and should have joined Starfleet. And Seven explains that she tried after Voyager, but Starfleet shut her down. Janeway went to bat for her, threatened to resign, but Seven gave it up and went full Ranger. Now they have myriad obstacles and just a knife, a corkscrew, and an ice pick. Seven doesn't think they're getting out of it. Raffi predicts probably not, but they still sprint towards the swarming drones. On La Serena, Queen Jurati is chasing Hollow Elnor. He's found himself pistols and a rifle and a sword. Hello, sword. You see, Pete, as we'll find out later, Hollow Elnor remembers all the normal Elnor stuff, including knowing how to use a sword. Back to Rios. Uh, he's uh, Rios, who, of course, as I'm sure everyone remembers, is in Talon's apartment. He's fiddling with Talon's tech, trying to rewire uh, and open up subroutines so he can transport back. Um... Dr. Teresa says that he is too injured to help and he should sit down. She does need to extract the bullet. However, she's given that tricorder. It's an entire ER, a miracle cure. However, she knows that she will have to let him go. He shows her his arm and the scanning commences. We head to the chateau again. We're soon can't find Picard uh, and rests handily near this bookcase. Uh, he looks at the ground the bookcase has moved debris and such perhaps some scratches on the floor soon puts it all together 
uh, and sends his team to search for other entrances. As Picard and Talon make their way, he flashes back again. He won the game of hide-and-seek, but Mom is lost. She explains the light from stars has long since faded like her. She makes him promise he will ignore the coldness of a dying star and remember her infinite light and love she had for him. He replays the events of getting stuck in the rotted wood and rescued by his father, telling Talon that um, his father took her and locked her in that room where she told him only he could save her. He found the key and opened the door, but Soong has found them. No more flashbacks for right now. Picard has found a Luger and shoots a locked door open to escape. Back to La Serena, Elnor takes out a Borg and the soldiers are shooting at him, shooting at the hollow, which the episode doesn't really address. It's just like, don't get hit, Elnor, keep running. Uh, he goes to sickbay and closes the doors. Uh, he finds Rafi and Seven, saying it's good to see her. He's he's such a good hollow. Seven uh, is told that the systems are locked and he's the key. Pete, it's your standard key master, gatekeeper kind of stuff here. Seven has an idea and Elnor uh, unlocks the system for her. As Seven button pushes, Rafi has her moment of closure with Elnor. She was holding him back. She didn't want to be alone. However, this Elnor hollow copy is a good enough copy to say that he knows Elnor Prime loved Rafi. Uh, in the Chateau, Picard uh, says that the right path takes them to the fields, but the left ones have no Borg. On the ship, Seven is still pushing buttons and she needs to hurry up. Seven beams the Borg away, and in the last bit of frantic cross-cutting for the moment, in the tunnels, those Borg that get beamed away get beamed into stone, handily right by uh, Picard and Talon, which is an advantage, and Picard leads them to the exit, which will have them pop out in the solarium. Gerardi reaches the transporters, and Seven tries to send her to the brig, but she has a transport inhibitor. Elnor overpowers her after they fight, and Seven pleads with Gerardi to fight the queen, but Gerardi lashes out with tentacles impaling seven she tells the computer to transfer primary controls to her and set course for the delta quadrant raffi begs for her to help seven lest she die and gerardi knocks her down and picks up the knife sun rises at the chateau uh with uh, picard and talon in the solarium uh, but soon is there with two more borg he has found them like rats uh, forced to the surface. Back we go to Queenie, who uh, tries to stab Seven, but she just can't do it. She's crying. Head Gerardi uh, says that they are Gerardi's tears. They are Queenie's tears. Indeed, Gerardi is using the same neural soup, taking control back. If only Queenie had shown mercy. And Queenie still can't stab Seven. Back in the solarium, Pete, we're back to frantic cross-cutting. Soon reflects on his future successes via fear. Yes, he says that uh, captains of ships and industry, okay, 
for them, love and fear are the same thing, a means to an end. Back on La Serena, Agnes says that they can offer second chances and build a better Borg to the queen, who admits the proposal is absurd, but not entirely unintriguing. Agnes says they could build a universe of sevens who would use their Borg halves to help others. Sung directs his drones to gun down Picard and Talon as Rios reboots Talon's tech. Teresa wants him to stay and asks if his future is then and always was, perhaps. He kisses her and beams into the solarium, blasting a drone who drops the key. Gerardi puts down the knife and decides to save Seven. Rios overtakes the other drone, but Sung picks up Talon's phaser, which needs the right DNA to unlock, because if you hold it too long, boom. With that, we have Sung on the run. Uh, back to La Serena, Seven is unconscious, but will live. However, there was a cost in saving her. Seven's Borg implants are back. Uh, Andrade is now uh, going to leave the scene here, as is Queenie. Andrade uh, leaving the Andrade self in the past. Queenie, similarly, they are something better. In the solarium, Rios needs to get to the ship. Picard has the key and reflects on Maman wanting to be let out. He found Maman, found Maman, and he reflects on the, the, the strongest memory. Indeed, Picard found Maman hanging by a rope dead uh, in the solarium of all places we see the moment rewinding and this is a moment that picard has kept himself from remembering maman was ill but he remembered her as inspired she'd been locked away for her own safety she told her son that she needed him and his help he thought he was saving her uh he had to to let her out uh had he left the door closed she might have uh, lived until late in life, offering him tea, a lovely reference to her appearance in the first season of Next Generations. And indeed, he wishes he had never found this skeleton key. It migrated all over the house and wound up in his hand here. Uh, Talon explains that love can be a source of great guilt, tremendous pain, even a curse but it's always a gift. We see young Jean-Luc throw the rock in the solarium as Talon tenderly embraces adult Picard. On La Serena, Seven and Rafi talk. Seven reflects on having been ordinary for a time. Rafi knows Seven can be extraordinary, though, and wonders how much more Seven could be capable of if only she stopped running from herself with that queenie Gerardi says it's time to go time to pay the price perhaps in time queen Gerardi could have been friends with them but a ship is a uh, is a fair exchange for a life uh, the mission must not be postponed uh we are told for the first of two times there must be two renees one who lives and one who dies queenie beams out seven and rafi uh who watch la serena take off and Rios joins them watching the ship take off. 
beamed out here. La Serena lifts off as Rios rejoins them. Picard and Talon watch and look up from the solarium. Uh, and then rendezvous with the others. They need to stop Sung. And Seven relays Gerardi's message about a Renee that must live and a Renee who must die. Picard refuses to accept an outcome that has not yet occurred. And they head off to do their work as Rios turns to watch La Serena warp away. With that incoming threat analysis, uh, Pete, let us talk about the threat of Jurati the Queen, a.k.a. Queenie Jurati. You know, this season and what they've done, Allison Pill, Annie Wershing, merging as characters here, yet still having the need in the moments we see of interior dialogue between the two of them, to communicate setting up that conflict. I loved at the beginning of this episode where our Agnes is telling the queen here, Nope, I've locked you out and you can't get it from me. You got to try to get it from Elnor. Okay. Hence the, the game within a game that goes on in this episode. Um, you know, where we're left, I, you know, the, the threat, version of her what they've merged to become you know i i want to hold on till theories to really really you know uh, dissect that um but i don't know that she's a threat anymore well certainly a threat for next week pete because boy the show loves 2024 is adam soon uh who has been promised this you know father of the future and all all this um He's off to continue to do bad stuff next week. And this week there he is, you know, no problem leading an army of black ops, Borg and so forth and uh, delivering chilling monologues to our heroes and so forth. I mean, for Brent Spiner to be able to return in a larger role this season and still coming for the third season along with the next gen cast is, you know, just our cup runneth over. Um, but to be able to dig his sink his teeth into this villainous role here has been a lot of fun. Um, interested to see how he goes about it. I mean, a, a lesser Sung, Matt, you know, after the um, the the uh, it was Talon's uh, other gun there with the DNA uh, blew up, might have you know surrendered himself. Um, but here we are, it establishes that trajectory for the final episode. Those long range sensors are scanning for some theories. Pete, will our heroes escape 2024 at the end of next week? The, the biggest question is how are they getting back? To the year 2400 um the ship is gone the ship that they came in and, and did the slingshot around the sun as has been established in the original series and in the films uh is is gone 
uh, Gerardi has taken it, presumably to become the Legion Borg queen that had entered the bridge of the Stargazer all the way back in the first episode. So how are we going to get our good guys back to the future? Well, the mind does go towards Q. Yes, Pete, he's so powerless that he can't make someone laugh or cry or, or be uh, disintegrated with a, a snap and so forth. Uh, so can we assume next week, Pete, that Q's latest trial will end and Q's deficit of power will be addressed and he may die and he will he or another Q will get them to the 25th century. Can we assume all of those things? I mean, I'm not convinced he survives. I'm wondering if perhaps once Jean-Luc, who's intimately tied in with the character, can help him help himself, uh, that maybe the dying gift or the the gift because you saved me is depositing them back in their time um there's just so much to land in this finale i'm i'm kind of shocked how many balls are still up in the air i will be less shocked if it is like a 68 or 70 minute finale if I click on that bad boy on Thursday and see that it's 45 minutes total and I say, but that's minus two minutes of recap and one minute of credits, uh, you know, one minute of title sequence and two minutes of credits. I don't know how you, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you comfortably launch the Europa mission after narrowly stopping Soong and then some sort of justice for Soong. And I guess some sort of, justice for Corey to some degree and resolve Q's sickness and get our folks back to the future, but not just back to the future. They need to now like rewrite the explosion moment on the stargazer. Like, look, Q has put us, you know, 30 seconds before the thing exploded. So Queenie Girardi can say, Jean-Luc, it's me. And he can say, yes, computer, stop destruction. Alpha Omega two, one, four. Um, there's a whole lot that needs to go on now. Can it be done? Sure. I just, you know, can it be done with also like, I don't know. Can it be done? Well, is the question, you know, having sat in the same theater that you did last night, Matt, and, and we should point out there were multiple theaters showing the strange new worlds first two episodes. And, and we were just, happy to be there and we had caught um quite a few glimpses of of the cast um but when they came and they were sitting not very far from us at all and um alex kurtzman and akiba goldsman uh spoke prior to the screening i'm saying you know, these are the two guys who are responsible. Well, one responsible for the whole Star Trek universe right now. And the other in Goldsman, uh, principally running this second half of Picard on the set. Um, and, uh, you know, getting ready with 
season three, which they shot right afterward, and Strange New Worlds, which uh, they'd actually finished um, prior to this. So I have faith in these guys. I do. I do not think we're going to get Matt. I don't think we've ever breached an hour on, you know, CBS Paramount Plus Star Trek. I don't think that's ever happened. I think Disco, off the top of my head, Disco season, Disco 201 with all the credits and so forth, just as like, you know, play file. That might have been an hour and two minutes, an hour and four minutes. Um, okay. All that's right. probably the yeah, longest but episode again, we've got. You know, the asterisk of, you know, the the previously on and credits, et cetera, et cetera. I, I do not expect a mega sized episode to happen. Um, there is a preview of, of what's coming. It's, you know, largely what you would expect and it's not very much and it's not the critical things we, we would think obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen and you've got to position the pieces for the, the final season as well. I'm not saying that, you know, we will open a turbo lift door and the next generation cast will be there. That's not going to be the case. Um, but I think you've got to like the first season have a moment to take a breath and, and hear everything is. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to somehow get back there. Uh, remaining to be seen how that happens. Um, this Borg queen thing, Matt, or as I will christen her now, um, recruit us of Borg. <laughs> Uh, the Gerardi queen hybrid that in the subtitles in the beginning of the season has been called Legion. I mean, it's, it's very clear it's her now. Um, so we have to go back to that moment for the reveal. Right. And then the, it's not even potentially comedic. The, the uh, meeting of the two Gerardis one merged with the Borg queen and the other not yet having gone on this adventure and everything there. And then, you know, what becomes of this Borg entreaty to join the Federation? How have they, you know, what do we find that they've done in the time in between um, and how that changes everything? Well, yeah, things to watch for next week, other than my quasi-rhetorical shock that there's so many loose threads that need to be tied up next week. Thing, things that can be resolved. Um, the fact that there is now, that, that, that we've, we've built better Borged back, um, I know there, there's some thought, well, how does that resolve with still having bad Borg as we have known through you know through previous star trek adventures let's not forget that the um the legion borg if you will came through you know a subspace rift or a dimensional whatever not maybe not dimensional is a little too strong in the world of star trek but you know they, they were kind of hiding out in in the somewhere else in the in-between area so i think that story-wise next week they will say here is here's the build better borg back folks led by queen gerardi um 
who have been waiting for this moment to, to reveal themselves. So all your old Borg stuff is still there because we are going to successfully reset the timeline in 2024. I'm sure of that. I'm not going to wipe out all Star Trek. Um, and Queenie Jurati be revealed and so forth, which again is things that need to happen towards the end of the episode, which means some of this earlier stuff in 2024 needs to kind of happen sooner than not. But I digress. As to your point, Pete, of now essentially two Jurati's, I think I would suspect that next week the show gives us, you know, Queen Jurati offers up the nice Borg. I will say that the speech in this episode and where we are headed next week, the notion that we could ever trust the Borg and ever find something uh, in common with them. I think there is your Star Trek moment. There is your, there is your moment of lesson that, that, um, you know, that, that the greatest enemy in Star Trek and, you know, it's kind of, it's okay in Star Trek to have prejudice against the Romulans and prejudice against the Borg because they're not real, but we're getting our Star Trek lesson here that, um, that they too can change and evolve. Maybe if, maybe if we thought we could never trust the Borg, we need to reevaluate things and so forth. Uh, so I would look forward to that as well. And that also gives story space for Queenie Jurati to say, great, I'm going to go lead them at the new Borg colony. Allison Pill. Yes, says Allison Pill. You, Allison Pill, the regular Jurati, you can play Jurati in season three still. I'm with you on the on the Star Trek moment. And, you know, what does it do? It sets up that the wrong decision was made at the beginning of the season that, you know, even with an enemy as uh, cunning and as loathed as the Borg, um, you know, you look at the sympathy given to the ex-Borgs in season one, we look at this through the eyes of both Picard and through Seven. Seven's kind of had her exploration throughout the season. Longest time she's ever been without her, her Borg technology. And now to gain it back, I, I think that all rounds into shape. Matt, if only there was a way, though, to make her a captain and get her in Starfleet with Borg implants on a ship that incorporates Borg technology. Well, gee whiz, Pete, isn't that the stargazer? Um, that does. <laughs> I mean, I mean one, let me this way. I don't know if we were meant to be watching these episodes with the knowledge that the cast for next season is going to double in size because we are getting the next generation crew. But we do have that knowledge. So with that in mind, let's start to think about things like who is going to be captain of the Stargazer and, you know, is is the Stargazer their home base? Maybe yes, maybe no. If the answer is, let me this way, whoever loses out the captain's stakes, whether it's Rios or Seven, can then be the captain of some, you know, the captain back at Starfleet Command or the captain of another ship or something like that where when, it, when it's like, oh no, Picard and the Next Generation crew and, you know, people from Star Trek Picard, like, oh no, we're dead in the water, who will help? That's when Captain Seven or Captain Rios or whoever can come with the Stargazer if our crew is not on the Stargazer or vice versa. So I think, again, my, my point being, let's look at ways that they might start to be opening up spots 
to still have people actively involved in this show, but not necessarily like, now Seven's going to pilot the ship while Rios captains it, and Riker sits off to the side, and Picard needs a chair too, and then there's a folding chair for Troy. Oh my goodness, like, they need to come up with space somewhere. <laughs> you're not putting Troy in a folding chair, I'm sorry. You're, you're not doing that to her, okay? Patrick, I it's won't just... do it. I won't, I'm speaking to you as a producer, <laughs> Patrick. I won't do it. Um, the, the whole trajectory that they've lined up with seven and, and listen, you know, we're not just playing for Picard season three. Um, you know, again, to reference strange new worlds and the experience we had last night with Alex Kurtzman, you know, making the statement that there are two people that own Star Trek and that is Gene Roddenberry and the fans. And that the fans made Strange New Worlds happen with the excitement for Anson Mount's Captain Pike and Ethan Peck's Mr. Spock and uh, Rebecca Romaine as number one. So now that they've got their own series, Matt, there's a ton of love for Allison Pill and Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan. Santiago Cabrera and Evan Evangoria and uh, not in this episode, but still Issa Briones and uh, boy, it, it'd be a little bit of a bummer if, you know, they're just in the Picard run and then it'd also kind of be maybe financially short-sighted now that they've built this really cool starship set and, uh, it ends in season three, and we still got these actors, young and vital, and now again, beloved of the Star Trek fans to ride off in the sunset. I know in, in prior theory segments where I've been trying to figure out when they'll actually get back to the Star Trek future, um, I couldn't piece why you had such a great set in the Stargazer Um if it was going to be used so little. Um, and, and now I think we could safely assume like, you know, just kind of bare estimations he, here, but we're probably going to get no more than half of next week's episode will be in the, the, the 25th century. Um, however, it did cross my mind uh, coincidentally on our drive up to, to Stranger Worlds yesterday, it did cross my mind I don't, I don't know off the top of my head the different tax compensations given to this show in one year versus the other year. Is it a production year? Is it a calendar year? But here's a theory that I proposed in the car, Pete, and I'll share with everyone else now. Is it possible that they saw, ooh, it's going to be, I'll pick a number here, $20 million for season two, but only $15 million for season three. Hey, what could we build with that $5 million difference that will carry into the next season? So again, just throwing out theories here, maybe the notion of a brand new shiny ship that you were going to introduce for season three, uh, maybe way back in the writing process, you bump that up a little bit um, because it's a one-time fixed cost of build the really expensive thing. Now just keep it around and it's there perpetually forever. So maybe that's a production answer as to why, this you know expansive beautiful highly detailed set is going to end up in just you know a handful of scenes this season 
I feel like we have a lot of cue coming in this final episode when you consider that he's been, and I think we said the total number was going to be six episodes, but how, you know, he's really been lightly peppered in, and this is a character with such significance, particularly for our titular character. I'll just, Pete, I'll add it to the list of things that need major attention next week. I would agree we need, particularly if we're going to go the route of Hugh dying, which is the trajectory. More on that as a as a sub-theory in a moment. But if he's going to die, um, then we need all the more screen time for him, I think, to do the character justice and all of that. Um, now, of course, Pete, here's another option. He has said, I'm kind of dying or whatever. I thought it would be the next thing. You know, maybe he doesn't die. Maybe he, maybe it's the Q version of he's, he's the very hungry caterpillar and he turns into a butterfly. Um, what that would mean, I don't quite know. But it would free up some story time for him to be like, goodbye, Picard. And we're like, oh, that was only like a five-minute goodbye scene. What's up with that? Boo. And then something flashes and it's it's boy Q or or they've de-aged him again and now he's you know he looks younger than he ever did in the eighties or, or or something like that. Um, separate from my concerns about length of episode, I do think it would be a fun like I think the the clear trajectory of him dying does indicate obviously the possibility of him dying. I think it also indicates that 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 that's a setup for a twist. La Serena, we're told, can now make a hologram, or could all along, of anybody who's ever been on board. And yes, they use it with Elnor here, who, by the way, we've not even mentioned we still have to resurrect that. <laughs> There's um, another ball I, to juggle. I would by and large agree. However, is the loophole now that anybody who ever visited La Serena has never really gone as long as we have a hollow emitter? Well, no, no, just in this idea here, I'm I'm wondering if it somehow becomes a, a thing. I mean, who knows how La Serena would factor into the finale? Uh, you know, my understanding now fused with Borg technology, and that's part of the ship that came through the rift. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's more than just solving um you know elnor appearing in this episode certainly you know given that the roots for picard and company uh, the the roots for them to get home now appear to be q saves the day um so too that would bring back elnor in one in one fell swoop i i feel slightly dissatisfied by Q saves the day, although I will acknowledge it's completely in line with everything we've ever established from Q. I mean, my goodness, Pete, possibly the first person we saw killed under a Q plan was Tasha getting ice sprayed or whatever um, back in Encounter Farpoint. And, you know, and she was just fine until she met her own end, but that's a different story. Um, so... Maybe a lot of these concerns Q can just literally wave a hand at and solve. Does Rios have to go back to the future? After he said goodbye to Dr. Teresa, I think the story says he does. 
Could he turn around last minute and say, me amor, I decided to stay? Yes, he could. I think a more likely thing is the Star Trek moment. He leaves as the rocket, the Europa mission thing takes off. Which is, I'll forget. I know we've kind of mentioned it, people. It's just I want to reinforce. We also need to have fight out at Europa mission HQ and Soong has the red button and they finally kick the red button away from him and smash the red button box and Soong says no now I will not be the grandfather of the future or whatever we also need that but I think that when it comes to Dr. Teresa E. Ricardo I think we're going to have the rocket takes off and and um you know Ricardo's there drawing a picture imagining people like him being able to to go to Europa or to search the stars and, and things of that sort. And I think that they become the proxy for the audience um, in, in a heartfelt and very Star Trek kind of way. So they don't go to the future with him a la Star Trek four with Jillian. I think that they don't need to. I think that they could. I just don't think, I think that there's more, story juice to be had i mean look well i get maybe i'm getting a little hung up over like you know butterfly effect and don't take people but you know star trek can do what star trek wants to do um i think there's more story juice to be had for like star-crossed lovers weren't meant to be but you know teresa who believes in a better future for all people so does ricardo and you know ricardo can take that dream a dream of being able to trek in the stars he will take that and that will fundamentally change his future and he will be remembered as the boy who solved all crime in los angeles in the 2040s or whatever speaking of star-crossed lovers matt yet another ball we still have in the air is the picard laris romance at least we know pete in the regular like Star Trek future that still is out there that they're going to fix next week when they go down to the launch thing in California and let the Europa rocket take off and all that stuff. We know Laris is back in the future. She's there. She has want. Picard has now worked through his, his issues. Um, and I don't think they're going to get married this season, but I think that they're going to have a hug and a kiss with the implication of huggy kissy time after the season ends. So let's talk about what we learned of Picard and that his mother tragically committed suicide. And this has stayed with him. This has prevented him all these years from, you know, forming that bond. Um, I think it's been a carefully considered storyline, but you know, and, and they talk about, um, you know, she hasn't had an incident in a while. She seems better. But could we have maybe stressed a little bit more in the way of professional help instead of, hey, I'm going to hide a key all over the house um, from my son so he doesn't let my mentally ill wife out to potentially harm herself. Uh, Peter will quote the words of somebody who I overheard at the Strange New Worlds thing last night. Now I should mention you and I were uh, a row apart just due to how they did the seating. Um, so you may have overheard this, you may not have. But somebody said, you know, like, 
yeah, in the future, medicine is so great that you just lock your wife in a closet and keep her there until she's better, which I know it's not literally a closet, but I certainly agree with the sentiment that it's a bit of a story foul that when there's mental illness to this degree, that there's not help to be had, even if the help is a long-term residential situation. You know, if there's if for story purposes, there's not a light that can be waved over her, fine. Um, Pete, we've said it so many times before, it's just a line or two away from fixing it. Pete, it seems to us that her illness is, um, you know, schizophrenia or something like that that we recognize in this real world. All it, all it would have required is, you know, this is, of course, you know, um, Denoblian space sickness. I mean, that's kind of a rather blunt and slightly humorous way to do it. But, you know, some somebody at Star Trek Picard do a better version of that. But it is, of course, Denoblian space sickness. We're terribly ashamed of it, so we don't tell anyone. There are your two lines right there. There are your two sentences where you say, help is out there, but dad is too proud or dad is too ignorant or whatever to get the help. Um, because I think ultimately it's a very weird optic that the solution was to lock mom in a room when she's mentally unwell. I agree with you. I think, you know, obviously they had settled that they wanted that scar for Picard and there's space there to answer what had happened to the mother that, that left him this way. But I think some line of dialogue like, oh, well, we tried to get her, uh, you know, treatment or uh, she, you know, was making her medicine or something The the locking her away and moving around the key just feels like an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, it's a story end that has been worked back to the beginning. I just don't quite, you know, did, did no one look, I've been biting my tongue for so many episodes being like, will we get some sci-fi in our star Trek? And it's like, okay, there's a, there's a robot lady and many star Treks have done. We're stranded in a place or a time where we don't have access to phasers and, you know, and all of that star Trek does not need to be on a bridge with away teams and phasers and scanners and trackers all the time. Fine. But like, I don't know. This is existing out of a tight sci-fi construct. But Pete, I know this. The solution to many of these concerns can be fixed with a strong ending next week. Two Renees, Matt. So, you know, that was the other part of the season two premiere the reference of Rene Picard uh, alongside his mother. How will we reconcile one living, one dying? Uh, I actually figured this out in the last 10 or 15 minutes. So maybe it was sent to me by the future. I don't know. <laughs> Two Renes. Okay. That means, and, and what are the competing interests? Uh, the goodies need Rene to be on the rocket and for it to take off. The baddies need for Renee to not be on the rocket. But, Pete, could the rocket still take off without Renee? And, and would Adam Soong be happy with that? I don't think so. Well, if 
he would be okay with that. Or if how, here's what I'm trying to propose. If we get real Rene Picard on the rocket in the position for it to take off, but somebody needs to sacrifice themselves to be the one who dies or to make Soong think, okay, I don't need to push the red button because Renee is dead. Oh, wait, what do you mean it's taken off? That kind of thing. There is a character who exists in the show currently who could be killed off, no harm, no foul, and also who I think would not mind sacrificing herself for Renee Picard's ultimate exposure and, 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 uh, and, you know, ability to succeed in life. And that is Talon. I'm going to say Talon gives the ultimate sacrifice next week. The other Renee is Talon somehow. With that, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. We go to the Twitter poll where, Pete, uh, the question was, which game uh, did Hide and Seek leave you wanting to play? Um, The choices were this, Pete. Seek got 5.3%. Hide got... 15.8%, 15.8%, Monopoly got 10.1%, and Battleship <laughs> got 68.4%. Pete, I will admit, I have That's no season idea. Season three is Battleship. Yeah. Like, I don't know what any of those meant. I was just like, after, was it last week where I did a, you know, Captain Commodore or whatever? Like, I don't know. There are people who just downvote. I understand this is not, some of these episodes have not been the strongest, but anywho. Battleship, the winner there. Uh, James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killin on Twitter, said uh, Drati's arc has been bonkers. Uh, quirky scientist uh, to a reformed time traveling Borg queen in under 20 episodes. JTA's me, uh, that uh, pardon me, JT Atkins at JTA's me on Twitter says this week we go inside our main character's mind to reveal secrets about his traumatic past including uh, English accents, his mom pounding on the door, and mom's tragic end. Also, bonus internal two-character dialogue. Pete, listeners to the Pop Culture Podcast might be saying this sounds familiar. Wait, isn't this Moon Knight? Says JTA uh, is me. Uh, Each, he goes on to say, mighty, serious reveal inside JL's head. Tragic while also presented in a way that pulls back on uh, on excessive shock value and wonderfully counterbalanced by Queenie Agnes's internal battle. Plus, Excellent real-world action and the eck. Uh, but Pete, let's dial back a second to what he said. It was weird that two nights in a row on shows that we watch and podcast, there were all those things. Uh, a character with an English accent has a traumatic past, including uh, mum's tragic end, mum pounding on the door, and internal dialogue with oneself. Um, it's weird how these two shows have lined up as we're podcasting them and the material it's the second time it's it's happened that they've had quite a bit of parallels i mean listen monomyth and all that but yeah this is awfully specific back to twitter we go um back to james the sagacious uh, who had said i feel like the season would have been an amazing six episodes like a disney plus model on the other hand if you uh look at the series as a 30 episode season in three parts it's up there with the best of tng voyager and deep space nine at least so far those 20 plus episode seasons had tons of fluff uh if the show does one thing perfectly it leaves me wanting more uh, stuck in 2024 with no ship, no idea what n- the next episode will bring, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Will anyone, uh, anyone else, still in shock that the show started while Discovery was on and will end as Strange New World premieres? 
um, which is an interesting <laughs> overlap there. Uh, Pete, some back and forth volume here. Back to JT Adkins. Uh, I'm reading these in the order they came in, by the way. So that's that's just the, the robust conversation on Twitter. Uh, JT says, also, Quentin Tarantino may not get his rumored Star Trek moment, but Star Trek got its Quentin Tarantino moment with our beloved Eck. Uh, I guess that's the ECH, emergency combat hologram, having his Bruce Willis hunting for the best weapon and choosing a sword, Pulp Fiction bit. <laughs> Hashtag it's all connected. <laughs> Next, uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139 on Twitter. While 209 was immensely better than the two episodes before it, I'm still having to suspend a lot of disbelief even for a Star Trek story. I appreciate everything this story is trying to tell, but they've been juggling a lot of questionable story balls lately, and I think, hope, pray, they won't let any of them drop, but I'm worried. Fingers crossed for a satisfying resolution next week. No matter what happens, though, I love Star Trek and Picard's final season will be awesome. Do they need to resolve everything given that we know they have a third and final season? I don't think that they do. I mean, but boy, it it does feel like there's so much to do. Yes, Pete, let them hear you in the writer's room through a time tunnel in the in, in our present, their future. You saying, yeah, let's just keep them in 2024 into the third season. They'll love that. Let's hear from uh, Pete. Coincidentally, let's hear from Make It So. That's K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Still in 2024? Yes. Still loved it? Yes. I still hold out the somewhat unrealistic hope that this rolls over to season three. Oh, my goodness, Pete. We were not reading ahead on twitter here this is maybe there is a time tunnel indeed uh like the drama of seven being hurt was a little bit blunted since we know jerry ryan is in season three uh but i for one am happy to see that her implants are back more on picard's history and hollow elnor was great really want to see what happens uh with him did he have a portable emitter on maybe that was my eyes uh need to rewatch. looking forward to the next episode but sad season finale seems like a lot to wrap up Pete, I believe Memory Alpha says that the he, that he is wearing a mobile emitter and that it's the same design as something or other, like in a 27th century episode or something like that. So maybe Elnor really is dead, uh, but it's the hollow Elnor that we knew all along or something. You know what I'm saying? Maybe hollow, hollow Elnor persists. We will take more Elnor whatever way we can get him. If that's the way that they've decided, so be it. Um, I I do, however, think they're going to undo the death that happened via the Confederacy time frame. Maybe, Pete, Talon goes to the future. Hollow Elnor goes to the future. Elnor Prime is rejuvenated. And then we have Talon and um laris and elnor and hollow elnor all do something together just as twins maybe it's a short trek called the star trek twins or something i don't know (laughs) pete let's hear from jackie wolf that's at jackie wolf on twitter my mind is trying to work out a way that old picard might be able to hide the skeleton key so that young picard can never find it yes i know that would be messing with the timeline but one can hope the visuals were let me pause there for a second since jackie sent us two tweets that's not a bad idea might it theoretically undo the because if this is picard's secret past that's been there all along 
is there an argument to be made that by not putting young Picard through that trauma, he does not grow up to be the character that we've known since 1987? I mean, it's a, it's a potential avenue. Uh, the concluding tweet here from Jackie, the visuals in this episode were all awe inspiring Queen Jurati's outfit, the bruising and blood above Seven's eye to call back to her implants before actually getting back her original implants. The Borg alcoves and the manor walls, stunning as usual. So, Pete, the Twitter conversation ending on a high note. Let's check the email, Matt. Indeed, an email uh, from Stacy, who, who, Pete, I must confess, a little, little behind-the-scenes action here. We recorded our Moon Knight podcast a little early. Um so, uh, unfortunately, her Moon Knight thoughts did not make it into the latest podcast. We're going to save those for next week. Uh, she had sent us a combined Moon Knight and Picard email. Uh, so let's fast forward to the Picard stuff in which she says, what an emotional week. I certainly wasn't expecting childhood trauma to be explored in both Moon Knight and Picard. Uh, on the topic of Picard, Stacy says, I still kind of think this story will continue into season three, but there was enough moving forward of the story that I can see it getting wrapped up even though it's only one more episode. I don't know how, but I'm totally okay with that. I expected we would get the rest of the story of what happened to Yvette, so now I'm curious what that means for Jean-Luc. I'm excited about the idea of Borg with compassion, having a collective but people who choose to be a part of it, who are encouraged to be individuals. I also like Seven embracing her Borg side, that she feels like herself again. I hope she and Rafi can work out their, I'll edit her word here, crap, I think they've both grown enough, though, that it's uh, possible. And I love that Janeway went to bat for seven. Yes. But I hate that Starfleet kept her out for reasons beyond her control. Uh, this whole time, I've disagreed with the idea that Teresa and Ricardo uh, would end up uh, going forward in time with them. I figured she wouldn't want to leave her clinic. She does so much good work there. But after this week, I'm starting to see that she might. I don't like it, but I agree now that she's seen too much. That line about how she can go back to treating patients with current technology when she's seen with the future uh, has clinched it for me. I can't wait to see how they get back to their time, what looks, uh, what it looks like when they get there. And Q, how does his story finish up? So much left to do and only one episode. Pete, that's from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88 on Twitter. I mean, our listeners are picking up on the same stuff we are. And, you know, yeah, you have that faith that they'll be able to tie it all together you know if if they decide it doesn't all tie together at least again they have some more next season with that pete tying together all our star trek podcasts is fred from the netherlands whose wisdom we tap into now Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 9. I gave this episode a 7 on IMDb, and I will explain that later. But first, I want to thank you for the shout-out on Twitter with many reactions of other listeners. So, all guys, thank you very much. There were especially some nice gifts. The 7 is because I don't like the Picard flashback scene so much. A little bit is okay, but there were just too many. And the second reason is, is of course, that we see his mother hang herself. So a suicide and 
Yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, no, it's not okay, the suicide, I mean. <laughs> um, but um, it was very much expected, so not a big surprise that this was the follow-up of the story. And this is also, let's say, Jean-Luc's internal problem. What this all has to do with the Q story, I don't know. I have the impression that Q sends Picard on this journey of facing his past, but I don't see the real connection yet. Like the Rafi and Seven story better than last week, also for Rafi, good to have shortly interacted with Elnor, although he's a hologram. Alison Pill, very, very nice role in The Borg Queen and having the internal conflict with Agnes uh, just the other way around than previously uh, because then Agnes was there and in the imagination there was the Borg Queen and now it's the other way around. Nevertheless, at the end of the story, the Borg Queen goes away with La Serena, really wondering if this season will end in the 24th century again or will remain in the 21st. I think with La Serena gone it uh, will be a difficult task. But if they pull it off in the last episode, I expect that it will be over full this last episode of the season and uh, perhaps too much. So from this situation towards going back to their own century um, in one episode, hmm. when they do it, I hope they do it in a, in a good way. Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, I think Fred sharing a common concern here. How will it all end? How will they conclude this season? Um, I think both from Fred and from a lot of the feedback we've gotten on this episode in the last couple episodes, there's a little there's a little trepidation in the air uh, as to whether they're going to land this thing. Um, again, I I come back to the the people in charge, and I think the decisions that they are making for Star Trek are in its best interest and have been largely successful. Um, there's been so much faith shown by the network in this brain trust that, uh, you know, I definitely have to give them the opportunity to do it. And uh, I really feel like they they can weave this many storylines together satisfyingly. Well, Pete, the brain trust behind fantastic geek is those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek making sure that all the uh the bits and the bobs and the bits and the bites keep on flowing storage and bandwidth etc etc particularly pete we're gonna be turning the corner this week into those golden hours uh and then the second half of may rather quiet and then june super crazy with three shows a week for three to four weeks and in june and all that so uh, we are forever grateful to be listener-supported on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Yes, with the busy April that we've had, we seem like we continue to find a new peak. Um, you know, cannot thank those people of patreon.com slash fantasticgeek enough. 
everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels after that that you can pick. Can't contribute right now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. We could use ratings to any of our now 30 podcast feeds. Give us a rating in seconds. Hit that little star, okay? Hit five of them. Uh, or leave a review in a little while longer, uh, all of which helps the algorithm get us into new sets of ears. And let's certainly keep the conversation going as we head into the season finale of Picard, as we launch into the glorious season series premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E. T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,454 followers, Matt. I lost a couple after um, the guy behind the Europa mission uh, purchased something. Can't be wrong. Uh, and while I'm personally on Twitter, it's looking back lost. Do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantastic geek uh, with the PH, all one word, like it today. For those listening on the pop culture podcast feed, uh, Pete, unless we decide to talk about Stranger New Worlds uh, red carpet sooner, uh, we'll be talking again, Moon Knight 106, the season series finale uh, on Friday, May 6th. Picard 210 Picard fans will be uh, recorded next uh, Saturday, May 7th. Strange New Worlds premiere Sunday, May 8th, and then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on Monday, May 9th. With that, Pete, I will say au revoir to all our listeners and give you the final word. Perfection takes time, dear. Mm-hmm.